Welcome to The Five Things. It's This Week in Social. Each week, we find five ingredients in the kitchen and throw them into one giant pot and serve them to you hot, fresh, just so that you can walk away feeling very full. This week, our co-executive chefs are Amanda Davis and Tommy Boyce. Hi, Amanda. What's your favorite app on a menu? If I look at a menu and I see potato skins, I will order it immediately. If I think about potato skins when I'm at home, I'll go to the store and make them immediately. If I know that I'm in the vicinity of a restaurant that serves potato skins, I will go there immediately. A potato skin. All right. And Tommy Boyce is here. Tommy, same question. Favorite appetizer. No brainer. What are you getting? Oh, arancini for sure. Arancini, calamari. I like the Italians just know how to do appetizers. Just exceptional stuff. You are absolutely right. I'm Joey Scarillo and I will never pass up a good bruschetta. All right. Here are the five things. First up, Tommy takes us through the Elon Musk and Twitter saga. Amanda tells us all about the new platform Be Real that is sweeping the nation. Tommy tells us about a report by Consumer Acquisition that outlines key metrics on UGC in advertising. Amanda gets into TikTok, who opened ARFX tools to all users. And finally, Tommy tells us about Snapchat launching dynamic stories. All right, we've got a lot to cover today. Let's get into it. Tommy, tell us about where we are with Elon Musk and one of our favorite platforms, Twitter. Yeah, so it's been an interesting time on Twitter recently with the Elon Musk of it all. I'm referring, of course, to Musk suddenly becoming Twitter's largest shareholder, buying 2.8 billion worth of shares to take a 9% stake in the platform. Twitter then announcing that he would join their board. Musk going on a Twitter rampage, tweeting ideas he had for the platform, including posting a poll about whether or not Twitter should add an edit button. A day before Twitter did actually announce that it was going to add an edit button for Twitter Blue subscribers. There's also the fun moment where he tweeted a poll asking users whether or not they thought Twitter actively supported free speech and said the consequences of it would be, quote unquote, important. It was then announced by Prague that Musk would actually not be joining the board after all, with Musk apparently backing off. And as of this morning, April 14, Musk is officially offering to buy Twitter for over $40 billion. So where do we net out in this? I have no idea. This is hard to keep up with, especially due to the fact that Elon Musk will not stop tweeting. And I'm just, I'm just sleepy. I'm just sleeping looking at all of this. It's a lot. I have no idea why Musk stepped down from the board. Maybe it is just to buy the whole thing. It feels like Musk has sort of stepped into a spot formally taken, honestly, by Donald Trump in terms of using Twitter to create culture, get their message across and be just a general force of chaos. And he has proven incredibly effective at this. And the things he tweets for better or for worse have tangible effects on the real world and on the actual just marketplace of the world. And I think in terms of what we can take away from this as, you know, advertisers and people who work with brands on Twitter, Musk knows how to create and tap into an audience. He uses Twitter as an extension of himself, both as an actual business venture and for like personal stories that people can form a connection with. He's a really interesting case study and with the way that he's tapped into, you know, subcultures like NFTs and cryptos and highlighted them and also latched onto them again in terms of just always being an extension of himself. He's always furthering his own goals and his own personal identity and personality through these cultures. And he's taken his brand further by doing so. So I think this is all crazy. It's it's a little bit wackadoo what's happening with Musk and Twitter. But I think what we can take away from it is tapping into Twitter as a way of extending your beliefs and values and personality and even extending possible new 
products or developments, I think people really like seeing him asking users for advice as sort of, you know, like Twitter's Web3 decentralization method going forward of asking users what they want to get out of the app, how they are seeing things implemented. Are things actually being useful? Is Twitter actually supporting free speech? I think that's going to be important moving forward, having an actual conversation with your audience members. But this is all going to be interesting. I'm not surprised if we're going to have a story next week about Twitter either selling itself to Musk or having him walk away from it altogether. So let's see what how this develops. Yeah, this is very much a developing story. And who knows, by from the time we record this to the time that we put it out, this whole thing could be either over or completely different. But it is also what makes it very exciting. So I'm curious, Amanda, if a client or a brand came to you and said, what should we make of all of this Elon Musk business? What would your reaction be? I think it's really about being conscious of what's on the platform when we're publishing content, whether that's paid or organic content, knowing, as we always say, what it's going to show up next to, what is the context of conversation? What is the mood? What is the vibe? I will say Elon's fixation on Twitter is promising. Like they're the only platform, the the largest social platform to really invest in Web3 tech, NFTs, cryptocurrency, understanding this creator economy through Twitter Blue. So through them making all of these decisions, they have placed themselves in a slightly different place than other platforms. And for someone like Elon Musk to be so fixated on the platform and, and pushing it forward, even if it feels kind of counterintuitive at times, there is a huge future for Twitter. So it's not a place where we would say, walk away from the platform or don't publish here. It's going to continue to be important. Just be conscious of, of what you're showing up next to and what the tone of the platform is. So quick question question for each of you, sort of flip the script a little bit. If you were the world's richest person, what would you make Twitter? I would make it as they are doing, which I agree with. Very similar to a Substack thought leadership, sharing opinions, beliefs, thought processes. I think that is the goldmine of Twitter is understanding what other people are thinking about in a different perspective from your own. So when they start to focus on features that blend newsletters, thought leadership and ongoing conversation, that's where I see their value really start to, to go up. What about you, Tommy? I agree. I think it's just I would make it so that I'm constantly making features and investing in the people that actually create culture, whether that's through writers and newsletters or just making it so that people, because again, famously, only 10% of people make 90% of the tweets on the website. So it's just tapping into that audience and making it so that their voice is as accessible as possible, as widely visible as possible, and just letting them rip. I mean, I think Twitter, you know, it's a bit of a lawless place, maybe not even a bit, it's a lawless place. And so I think taking note of that, understanding the platform for what it can be, and just really, as they're doing, I think, with the newsletter, with everything, just investing in these voices to make it so that Twitter is a place where people come to ingest and create culture. Well, I can tell you when I send a tweet with a typo in it, I think to myself, I would pay billions of dollars for an edit button too. So... All right, let's jump into our second thing here. Be real, sweeping the nation. This is the first time we're talking about it on this show. Amanda, break it down for us. All right, there's a new app in town. This one's actually really interesting. So Be Real is the latest trending app that is driving a lot of downloads, not even just in the US, but also globally. And it actually brings a new functionality than what we're really seeing on other apps. So the process of how the app works is every day, users are essentially prompted to share kind of a moment to all of your friends at the same time. You don't know when that moment will be, but you get a notification that says, share your update. What are you doing? And you get basically two minutes to capture whatever you're doing at that time. And all posts essentially go live at the same time where people can comment and react. Obviously, that process alone takes away the curation and waiting for all of these unique special moments of the day and gives a peek into normal, authentic everyday life, which we did talk about when last week we were reviewing Snapchat study around how people are using social media to have this more authentic, less curated presence. And also what's kind of cool is that 
this app takes footage from both the front and back camera. So you get the scene of what's happening and you get the person recording it. There's not like a ton of filters or special effects that you can use. It feels more authentic to an actual life update. And you also have to post to see what your other friends post. So this just garners engagement. It brings the barrier of entry down. Everybody's just posting something to talk about what they're doing and be very legitimate and transparent with their friends. So yeah, this app has seen since January a 315% increase in downloads. So right now they're sitting at right around seven and a half million installs, mainly based in the UK, the US and where the app is based in France. So this is really a totally fun, almost like gamified way to do social media that does feel more organic to how people would like to use these platforms. But we do know how social media platforms kind of like to grab and borrow functionality from up and coming new apps and platforms. So curious for sure, knowing that a lot of these audiences are focused a little bit younger in Gen Z. If this is something we're going to see Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat or TikTok start to take a note from their book. And I think it's a really cool app. I would recommend anyone kind of get into it. It's really based on the user experience, which is cool. Yeah, I feel like maybe we'll be talking about Be Real Clones very soon. Tommy, you've been on the app. I know you talked to me a little bit about it before. Tell us what you love about it. What's the experience like? I love Be Real. I've been on Be Real for quite some time since last fall. Shout out to my friend Joe for getting me on it back then before a lot of people were on it in the US, I felt like. So it really started. Be Real is interesting as sort of a companion piece to Facebook and that it really took off at colleges in the US. There's a massive Georgetown contingent that I heard about it first from. And what I love about it is it's sort of the anti-social media platform and that you cannot control when it happens. It is random times of the day. There was a Be Real last week that took place at 1140 at night. So everyone was just in bed or now they are waking up and realizing that, oh, I missed the Be Real because I went to bed, you know, at a normal time or you know, in early time. And so it's just nice to have a lack of seriousness and a lack of effort into this. And you really get the full experience of what your friends are doing. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's just being at your computer working or in class, but occasionally you get a fun one. Like, oh, I remember one time I was at the history museum in the whale room and got supposed to be real of the massive whale, which is very fun. And it really takes the effort off. We talked about this last week, still the effort of curating a photo dump or even on TikTok, like sort of the effort of posting a video and editing it. This is literally the easiest app I've ever used. It's literally just opening it and taking a picture and then seeing what your friends are doing and commenting and reacting to it. That's all there is. It's so accessible and it feels like just a really nice, healthy way of just tapping into what your friends are doing and seeing the real life of social media. Yeah, I mean, this sounds great. You know, whenever we talk about new apps, I try to check them out the next week. So I'll uh, I'll certainly give this a try. I guess the question is, and maybe it's too soon to say, but is there a space for brands to get involved? I think it's too soon to say. I really, I tried to think about this and I'm really not sure in what way brands could get involved. Maybe one day there will be features built out for brands to start taking place. But I think this is more interesting as sort of a trend kind of overview of the ways that young people are using social media as opposed to like, here's a way that advertisers and brands can get on the ground floor with. Yeah. And on that note too, Tommy, I think it's like the larger takeaway is really what kind of content do people want to see on any of these apps, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Be Real. And it is more about, you know, that accessible, less curated, less, you know, over produced content and as a brand being able to tap into kind of that that need and that want for more authentic content. Yeah, love it. Well, excited to check that out. All right, let's jump over to our third thing now. Tommy's going to talk to us about Consumer Acquisition, who published a key metrics report on UGC in 
advertising. All right, Tommy, tell us about it. So Consumer Acquisition, which is a part of Brain Labs, released a report on user-generated content, or UGC, giving key metrics, trends, and more of how users create content across different platforms. So some key figures to point out, there is a 28% increase in conversion when combining UGC with paid content. There is 12 times more engagement for UGC than any other type of content. Users paid 20 to 50% more attention to UGC than other ads, and 50 million people consider themselves to be content creators. They also pointed out some top trends like testimonials from real users and not actors. I always love that phrasing because it makes me think that actors are not actually people, which is right. Third-person POVs, users playing or using the app. Commentary, think Twitch streamers, especially the just chatting style of Twitch, which is blowing up in popularity, and users using picture and picture video. There's a lot more in the support. I definitely recommend checking it out, but it's a really great encapsulation of a lot of things that we talk about almost weekly, like the importance of understanding specific audiences in order to best reach them, the effects of influencer marketing, especially when you allow them to co-create the material they are putting out, and overall just the power of UGC. The fact that there is such an increase in conversion and attention paid to UGC ads compared to normal ads is remarkable and is certainly something to keep in mind when planning future social campaigns or just planning ways of showing up in social media in general. So it's a really great report. I definitely recommend that everyone check it out. Yeah, Tommy or Amanda, did anything jump out here that you found surprising or that we didn't expect? No, I think actually this is a perfect segue from our last topic in that consumers are really looking for more authentic, realistic content that looks like part of their everyday feed. They're not looking for that overly produced brand content all the time, not in every step of the journey. So this feels pretty spot on to how we've been talking about that behavior shift on social media. And I think super important for brands to really assess every platform and every channel and how this might impact it. All right, very cool. All right, let's jump over to our fourth thing now. Feels kind of late to be talking about TikTok, but here we are. They opened AR effects tools for all users. So Amanda, why don't you tell us all about it? Personally, I'll say this is one of the most exciting topics this week, perhaps in a few weeks. The impacts are very interesting. TikTok has announced it'll roll out its AR development tool to all creators after testing their beta last fall. So this will basically allow anyone to make their own camera effects using their AR tool effect house to create TikToks with, share with other users on the platform and add into their own content. So when you think about the effects that are already really popular, on TikTok, you can, you know, imagine the green screen or the freeze frame feature really widely used again to tell a story in a fun and interesting way. Then when we open up and kind of expand into this like open source bank of community created effects, there's really like endless potential where it'll go, perhaps more than what we've seen created on IG stories or, or snap lens because of how these features are actually already used on the platform. Another success driver, I think, for this is going to be how tuned to the platform these features are. On Instagram, you tend to see these like surreal airbrushed filters that kind of don't feel like real life. But again, TikTok has such a different use case to how people tell stories and being able to share things like editing tricks and AR tricks openly with the community to tell these stories really pushes the content forward. And we know that when we leave innovation to a community versus a platform, we see that grow really, really quickly. And and the possibilities are going to expand dramatically, I think, over the next few months. So Tommy, what do you think the future is with these uh, new AR effects? I think this is very exciting. And I think the future is seeing mass adoption of this because the green screen is such a 
formative part of TikTok. And it's so like a part of the way that people use the app day in and day out that adding this AR feature, especially one that users can build out with their own designs, I think this is going to be a bit of a turning point for the platform in terms of what it offers and what people can do with it. And just seeing the different types of content being made, the different filters. We're already seeing some AR filters pop up. I think of, you know, the dancing Shrek one, just all the different kinds of filters that people are already making. I think this new feature is going to just really buff up the game. And it's just really exciting to see what people are going to do with it. Some TikTok has some creative folks on it. And I think this is going to be a really awesome move. I think this is going to be a really great step forward for the platform. So I think we're going to see some real big use and adoption by this. Yeah, can't wait. This should be really exciting. All right, Tommy, take us home. Let's talk about Snapchat launching dynamic stories. So Snapchat introduced a new way to publish premium content with dynamic stories. This new Discover format uses a partner's RSS feed to automatically create stories from the content a publisher is already creating on their own website. It's available in the Discover feed. These stories update in real time, meaning Snapchatters can keep up with the latest news as it breaks. Whether it's breaking news from, you know, credible sources on events happening in New York or other parts of the world, or the latest in pop culture and fashion, dynamic stories help Snapchatters learn about the world as it happens. So looks like Snap has created an easy way for its partners to publish their existing workflow and content on a Snap in an efficient and pretty much low-cost way, which we love for them. They say the new format will also play a significant role in supporting their continued efforts to bring local content to their community across the globe. And early U.S. partners include Axios, BuzzFeed, CNN, The Wall Street Journal, WAPO, and a lot more. And I think this is an interesting move for Snapchat when it comes to user behavior. It looks like Snap is trying to become sort of a one-stop shop for users where they can go in and get the real and unfiltered look at what their friends are up to and doing, check out what concerts and live music events are happening and coordinate trips with their updates we talked about previously, and now get the latest news on all things happening around the world. So we're going to have to start thinking about Snap and the ways that we do Facebook and Twitter when it comes to, quote unquote, the real world having an effect on the app. If users start to get their news from Snapchat, we're going to have to program around that and have content ready to go based on current events and trends, and also maybe have to hold back on content given, you know, events like the attacks on Ukraine that we had to reckon with earlier this past winter. So this is an interesting new evolution of what Snapchat can be. And I'm excited to see if users adopt it. And if this becomes what even Facebook was a while ago when it comes to both getting news content and a real life look at the lives of your friend online. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like this could make the stories experience on Snapchat a little bit better. Curious, Amanda, what do you think like a key takeaway would be for brands on this one? Yeah, I think this is huge. And like all the Snapchat features that they add will totally impact the consumer's experience and the user's experience. But to me, this is really also a big publisher story. If you have worked with or at a publisher, I've spent time at a publisher and know that the relationship between marketing and social media between the content that you're making, that can be a little bit difficult. You have a team really focused on turning out this really high quality content, you have to supplement that. When you're making really high quality, you know, publishing content, you also have to match that with social media and marketing, getting it into people's phones and getting it in front of a reader. So understanding that Snapchat is making this really easy for a lot of publishers, like you mentioned. What's interesting to think about from a brand lens is how this Gen Z audience that spends a lot of time on Snapchat might be exposed to new websites, new content, new sites, things like that, and how that might actually change their audience base and even your publisher relationships, even outside of Snapchat. So 
this could actually change the kind of content game outside of the platform as much as on the platform. Yeah, it's very exciting to get my news on Snapchat because who knows where Twitter's going. So that about wraps it up for us this week. I mentioned last week that our sibling podcast, Gray Matter, was nominated for a Webby for Best Creativity and Marketing Podcast. If you are a fan of that show, please support us by voting before April 21st. And if you haven't heard Gray Matter yet, all episodes are available now wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. If you don't already, be sure to follow us on all of your favorite podcast apps. Share the show. We love new listeners and we love hearing from our listeners. So if you've got a question, a comment, a concern, a point of interest or a complaint, be sure to email us at podcasts at gray.com. I would love to thank Amanda and Tommy for joining us. And thanks to Danielle and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios for making us sound awesome. Thank you, listener. And we will see you next week. And in the meantime, be social or maybe that should be the name of my new social media app be real be social i don't know we'll see all right see you next time the five things are written and researched by the social and connections team at gray new york produced by joey scarillo and danielle hunt mixed at gramercy park studios by guy rosemarin and amanda fuentes with post-production support from ned martin additional support by john jenkinson christina hyde and liz mcgovern Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.